up, X's and T podcast fans? It's Danny here. And you guys, I just turned 30. I turned 30 on October 14th. Yay! I've joined the 30s club. What's up? Um, if you guys may have noticed, I kind of disappeared um, during that weekend. So I apologize. But, you know, I really needed to take some time to, I mean, one, celebrate and two, just really reflect. You know, 30 is a big deal. To me, 30 has been such a milestone. You know, I remember when my own dad turned 30. You know, I remember thinking 30 was so old. And now here I am. But before I get into my topic for today, I just want to thank everybody who has come and been a guest on this podcast, who's come to share their story, who has just continued to spread the message. You know, whether it's spreading awareness against domestic violence abuse trauma or the trauma that was experienced through Worldwide Dream Builders, Brit Worldwide, or any of the various Amway Tools businesses, you know, your stories are so appreciated. And to everyone who supports the podcast, you guys are the best. I have cultivated such an incredible audience. I am just so grateful. But, you know, today I am going to kind of touch on a few different things. You know, I wanted to kind of reflect on how being raised by a an abusive parent, but also how being in a cult kind of caused this midlife crisis. You know, I hope to live longer than 60, but, you know, turning 30 got to be really scary, especially when I was around 27. I was 27 when I was fully out of the business and I was like, okay, I've got three years. Well, I started to look back and I'm like, well, fuck, where'd my 20s go, you know? And I started to realize that, you know, I had my son very young, my oldest, I was 19 when he was born. And, you know, from then on, I just kind of had to be an adult, but I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. You know, I got married really young and I never should have done that. And then I went on to parent my son by myself and have continued to for 10, almost 11 years now. And I never really had an opportunity to learn what does a healthy adulthood look like? What are you supposed to do in your 20s? What the fuck are you supposed to do to accomplish life things? And it was really confusing and really scary. I mean, not too long after I had, you know, left this marriage, it was so a year later, I would end up in this domestic violence relationship that would take over the next four years of my life. You know, I was with Kyle from I mean, really, we started talking in 2013, but, you know, we got together in 2014. We lived together two months after knowing each other, and it was a lot. You know, it was a whirlwind of emotions, and the abuse started very quickly. And you have to imagine during this time, I am trying to do everything I can to escape my abusive mother. You know, I know there might be people out there who don't love that I use the term narcissist, but I'm going to be honest with you. You know, I, I know what I'm saying when I say the word narcissist. I'm not just throwing this word around. You know, we're we're hearing it more because I think that people are less afraid to speak up about it. You know, we're learning the traits, we're learning and understanding that our abusers had this trait. And it is listed as a common trait amongst abusers. You know, it doesn't just have to be narcissistic personality disorder. A lot of different disorders that are personality disorders specifically have narcissist traits. But also narcissism, from what I've read, can also be genetically passed down and somebody can just be you know, narcissistic sometimes, you know? So when I'm saying these things, I just, again, want to give a quick disclaimer that I mean what I'm saying here. So 
you know, I have this abusive mom who did not have her own life together. And I did not have a trusting, loving relationship with my dad that you guys see me have today. You know, I look back and I really just didn't have a chance, you know, and I'm not speaking, you know, to be quote, the victim of life. But, you know, it's true. I was victimized from a young age. And I had no idea what I was doing. I raised myself basically from the age 10 up until my mid 20s, if I'm being honest, you know, and so I, I was with Kyle for a year. And you know, I went home. And by the end of that year, I would become friends with my sponsor, uh, Robert, you know, it was the end of 20. 15 early 2016 that we started communicating and five months later I'm in a cult so you know I'm looking back at all of this time and that's how many years so from the time I had my son until I was in the cult that is four years you know so during those four years there's so many things that I could have been doing to prepare myself to have success and I really didn't you know I very quickly got into, you know, the nine to five workspace. And it was a lot, you know, I worked a very toxic job when I was with Kyle. And it sucked because I had to go to work. I had this toxic manager who would make me work off the clock, would threaten my job all the time. She would talk crap about everybody. She was just not a good person. And then I would go home to my abuser, Kyle. And then I'd have to be a mom and I'd have to take care of everything. And I just remember being so stressed out during this period of time. And at no point was I really moving my life forward. I thought I was because I lived on my own, but I was so broke and broken you know, it was, I was the one paying for everything. And I was the one who was taking all of those emotions onto myself. And so by the time I got into this cult, I was just so lost already. And then I spent three years in a cult. You know, I was in Worldwide Dream Builders, which is an Amway line of affiliation. And so realistically, I was in Amway. You know, they'll try to tell you you're not in Amway. Don't be in anything. No, we were definitely in Amway. So just so y'all know, I'm speaking based on my own personal opinions and my own personal experiences. Do I have beef with Amway and Worldwide? Yeah, absolutely I do. But I'm not here to defame them either. You know, if you want to join those organizations, hey, good for you. I would definitely recommend listening to some stories ahead of time. You know, maybe just walk with caution, if you will. Um, other than that, everything that I say is alleged based on my own personal opinions and experiences. Anybody I talk about, their names have been changed. And I'm just kind of here to, you know, chat about it. As I was really getting closer to my 30s, I really did start to look back on my time with Kyle and my time with the cult and my mom. And those three things really did a number on me. And it's frustrating to kind of look back and think, I spent a lot of time loving somebody who didn't love me back. I spent a lot of time trying to please somebody who was not capable of being pleased. And I spent time in this cult, not only wasting my time, but wasting so much of my money. You know, they got a lot of money from me. <laughs> if you guys haven't checked already, go through some of my Instagram posts at xsnt.podcast. I have a picture of a breakdown of how much roughly that I spent and brought in from Amway. And you'll see that my money going to these organizations, because some would go to Worldwide and some would go to Amway, 
very, very little came back to me. I really started to get scared because when I was in Worldwide, they taught us don't buy a house. Don't invest in your 401k. Don't spend your money on anything other than investing, quote, in yourself by buying business tools, books, and, and listening to the audios and really just putting everything you have into Amway. They would say things like don't put all of your eggs in one basket in reference to your job, but they wanted you to put all of your eggs into their basket. So at this time, I'm not saving up money for a house. I'm not even thinking about buying a house because my mentors were saying that buying a house was bad. And then fast forward a few years later, and I'm 29 years old, and I'm like, holy shit, I am not where I personally believe where I should be. I don't own a house. I don't have a very good credit score. And I'm a fucking mess. So really from the ages of 27 to 29 were the biggest healing years of my life. And there are still moments that I have, you guys, that I break down. I have PTSD. I have anxiety. And I get triggered sometimes. You know, I'll cry and I'll be sad because I had this vision for being 30. And I have not lived up to any of that. And a lot of that was because for three years, I was listening to these stupid coaches in Worldwide Dream Builders. I was being manipulated into spending all of my money. And who was getting all that money? The Platinums and Above and Amway. Those were the people who were getting my money. And I was making nothing. I was making so little money that I had to barely scrape by. I have a lot of mom guilt from being in the business because there was a lot of time where my son and I, we were doing Postmates to barely scrape by. I would keep him out until 11 or 12 at night just to have extra money. Did he have fun? Yeah. We kind of talk about it now. And, you know, I was pregnant at this time too. I And, and we talk about it and he's like, that was fun. You know, I got pizza and, and he looks back on it fondly because it was time that we spent together, but it wasn't the right time that we spent together. You know, we could have been at home playing board games. We could have been, you know, listening to music. God, the amount of audios I made this kid listen to, I uh, I feel so bad. But, you know, I can never, and, and looking back, I can never get that time back, ever. I can't go back and be like, Danny, don't, don't do it. Don't join Worldwide. This is going to derail your life and it's going to take you years to rebuild. And it did take me years. So when I had, when I kind of go back to this vision that I had for being 30, I, I'm not where I think I should be. And I know that everyone's like, well, everyone's place in life is different and you're where right where you should be. And, you know, in all reality, I'm a lot closer to where I want to be. You know, I have a very stable, healthy relationship that I've been in for four years. I have a great relationship with my kids. I am learning so much about my neurodivergent children. I'm learning so much about myself. I've gone to therapy. But for some reason, I still fall short of my expectations. And part of me feels like that's something I still haven't shaken from my time in Amway. And that's something that I don't think a lot of people realize. Being in a cult is so many different things all at once because you have to leave the cult well let's back up first you have to join the cult right you're you're finally in this organization and you're being love bombed these people become your best friends they become your mom your dad your family your cousin friends whoever and they isolate you that's your entire life for three years you know what products you're buying because you're not going to the grocery store and buying quote, brand X, right? You drink the same energy drinks, you eat the same bars, you put on the same makeup, and you can't deviate from that because you'll get criticized. So for three years, 
I was going to meeting after meeting, paying babysitters, arguing with my mom because I just didn't want to pay for a babysitter. And she'd offer to babysit for me. My son would do something to upset her. She would text me and basically rip the rug out, right out from underneath me and say, you need to come get this kid. He's out of control. And it was really traumatic. You know, I'm trying to do all of these things all at once and I'm being spread so thin, but I'm still gung-ho about this organization because they are love bombing the shit out of me. And the saddest part is that we can't even really be true friends with anybody. You know, they say, oh, these are going to be your quote, best friends. They're not your friends. You know, best friends are there for you regardless of money or not, PV or no PV. They don't say, oh, I don't be friend quitters. You know what I mean? Like my friends, like Rachel, who is on the podcast, or, you know, like Macarena, who I have to shout out, she did my logo. She's been somebody that I've known for a long time. You know, these are people that I have kept who have really just forgiven me through those moments of time where I was an asshole a lot of the time because of Amway. And I think about everybody who's a part of my life that I've had long term. And these are the people that are actually friends. These are the people that Amway always told me were not my friends. But where are the Amway people? They're not here. They didn't want me after I didn't do anything for them. That's not a friendship. That is a conditional relationship, you know? And it really sucks because while you're in this business too, you become fr like you become superficial friends with people called your cross line. And there were so many amazing, amazing people who were in my cross line that I think of today. And I'm like, man, I really hope they're doing well. And part of me wishes that they're out of the business, but you know, that's not my that's not my business. You know, it's not my concern. You know, they're adults, they can make their own decisions. But man, you know, some of those people, they were brainwashed just like me. So I don't have anything against them. You know, it's really my personal upline, and the platinums and above and anybody who is keeping secrets or pushing this misogynistic agenda. That's the people I have issues with. And I do have to also believe that anybody who is still in that business, they do have a level of manipulative side to them. You know, they're out manipulating people, trying to get people into this business. And sure, they're brainwashed, but they're also still a part of this really toxic organization. And it sucks. You know, I reached out recently to uh, an old cross line of mine thinking that they were out of the business and come to find out they're still affiliated and she is within my line of sponsorship. She knows a downline of Robert, actually. And she knows Jenny and Craig and, and all the way up the fucking line. And, you know, she was somebody that I really liked. Her and I, she, you know, we kind of connected a little bit. She reached out to me when I had first left and I was kind of afraid to talk to her because of the rules, right? The cross-lining rules. And so I gave it some time and I was thinking about it and I was like, maybe I'll reach out to her, you know? And I said, you know, hey, it's been four years and I figured it was safe, you know? And she's like, oh, we're actually still around. And I was like, Oh, and then I told her about the podcast. And quite frankly, she didn't even ask why I left. She didn't even ask about why Jess left. I don't even think she knows that me and Jess are like still friends. I was just baffled by that because this person is claiming to want to be my friend, but there's no genuine curiosity about like, hey, what happened? Why are, are you okay? How, how are, are like none of that? It's a very still superficial relationship that, hey, if you're listening to this, like I have nothing but respect for you, but like I really hope that you get out one day. I hope that you see that this organization is so 
toxic and the money that is being wasted and the time and that you can have genuine friendships and actually change people's lives outside of this business. But you know, it makes me sad because those people are still heavily brainwashed and they're so involved in this business. And, you know, reconnecting with 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 that person, you know, knowing that her or her husband, possibly her kids are all still there, you know, and, and this type of conversation, it really does trigger me a little bit because it brings me back to the functions. You know, you would talk to somebody and you would really connect with them, but you couldn't connect with them. We were friends, but we weren't friends. You know, they were people that we could ask about the weather. We could talk about our favorite audios. We could talk about our favorite products. We could talk about what we were excited about in life, our goals and dreams and all the positivity. But you could look at someone, know they're not okay, and you wouldn't be able to say, hey, are you okay? No. You have to edify their upline. You have to talk nothing but positive. And as great as that sounds, it's not great. Because a lot of us were hiding so many dark secrets inside because our upline says we can't talk about it. And even our upline, when we try to talk to them about it, they're giving us such bad advice. None of these people are qualified to give the advice that they're giving on marriages, relationships. Even when a domestic violence survivor goes up to their upline and says, I want to get back with my abuser, they should have never entertained that thought. Ever. Ever should they have entertained that thought. And I look at that moment. And and even when Kyle texted um, Jenny and said that he cheated on me, she said I had to forgive him. She said I should forgive him. And looking back at that, a true friend would not do that. A true friend, too. She had this information for a whole month, and she didn't tell me. A true friend wouldn't do that. I guarantee my bestie, Rachel, she would be cursing that motherfucker out. She would be texting me, calling me. This wouldn't even be text message. She'd call me immediately and be like, girl, I have to tell you this. You need to get rid of this motherfucker right now. And that is how that should have gone down. But no, it was a meeting at Starbucks a month later, knowing that he did this to me allowing me to continue driving six hours one direction to continue these domestic violence classes just so he and I can be in this relationship because I have this facade that they have continued to put into my head that this is a good idea, that this relationship is going to be great. They're going to change him. And what did it do? I got pregnant because of this coercive abuser, right? I was sexually assaulted. I was I was just so much had happened that was not consensual. I'll I'll leave it there. But, you know, just so many horrendous, traumatic things had happened because this couple is not fucking qualified to give advice. Okay? They're not. And honestly, my best friend, she would say, girl, you need to go to therapy. Like, call the domestic violence hotline. Like, you know, I really think you should stay away from this person. She'd be very careful about the situation because that's what real people do. That's what real friendships are. That's what people do. And it just some <laughs> I sorry. I, I'm having a hard time because part of me wants to like cry, but like I, I don't want to cry because I've cried a lot already, you know? And that's how I spent my 20s, having these really superficial relationships, getting shitty advice, growing further and further away from my family, having nothing but disrespect for my father who deserves nothing but the most respect. You guys, I don't think anybody truly understands. You guys, I didn't have a good relationship with my dad. I 
was poisoned against my dad for so many years. We're talking like a full decade of time. I was taught that my father was a horrible person. My mom would say the absolute worst and the most atrocious things that you could imagine about my dad. And she would, you know, let me do whatever I want. She would let me drink. She would drink with me. She would let me smoke weed. She would let me smoke cigarettes. You know, she she really just was never a parent to me. And that really set me up for a life of inconsistency. And I'm grateful that I never fell down the road of drugs. But I do feel like if I would have gotten closer with my dad earlier in my life, I would have probably made some better decisions earlier on. You know, obviously, I can't take it back. I love my kids more than anything. But sometimes I look and I'm like, man, if I had just made one different decision, could my kids have had a better life by now? You know, I don't know that the mom guilt ever goes away, but I feel so bad for having ever been in this organization. And ultimately, I know it was my choice to stay. But, you know, I'm mad at all of these people who were abusive to me. And that's okay for me to be mad. I didn't choose to have an abusive mom. I didn't choose for my boyfriend, who I loved more than anything, to groom me into this relationship and then abuse me. You know, I didn't choose for that. In this type of relationship, it's not a choice. I don't understand why anybody out there seems to think that, you know, why do you keep going back or why do you stay? Y'all, it's not simple. Okay, first of all, it's Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Hey, October, wear purple, you guys. But it's a topic that is so hard for anybody to really explain, but it's really common. You guys, people are stuck in this cycle of abuse where you are groomed so much. Like this person loves bomb, love bombs the fuck out of you to where you feel like you've never been loved like this before. They give you some of the greatest moments of your life. And by the time they start to abuse, it's a slow process. It really starts from them, their mask slowly slipping. And by the first offense, you're like, oh my God, I don't, you know, and then it, they promise it'll never happen again. And then it just, it keeps happening. And then you're kind of in this, I just want everything to get better. And you start thinking of circumstances, like if X, Y, and Z was over with, everything would be better. That's why I got to back together with Kyle after he got out of prison, because it was like, oh, okay, well, all of this stuff hanging over his head, it'll be gone. He'll be better. No, he was always an abusive person. You know, I should have never been encouraged by them to get back into this relationship. Their first words to me should have been, you need to call the domestic violence hotline, like go talk to a therapist. They're here to give you all the advice in the world. But when it's not good, they'll be like, oh, well, we're, we weren't professionals anyway. It's like, which is it? Y'all, which, which is it? So, you know, that's the first part. You're in the cult. You're so love-bombed and you want to believe it's going to be real so bad. You've even given up your whole life for this. I didn't go to college. You know, I was ready to. I had taken a college entrance exam just to see where I would stand. And, you know, my math score being low really discouraged me, but I was going to do it. And I had even talked to my dad about like potentially moving in with him and going to college. And, you know, it was, it was going to be okay. And then I gave my entire life to this business for three years. I know three years sounds small in retrospect, but that's three very important years that I could have been saving for a house that I could have been going to school to better my education, to actually stay consistent at one job. You guys, if anybody's ever been a part of Worldwide and especially in my line of sponsorship, you guys know that there has been job hopping like crazy, especially if you know Jenny and Craig, especially if you know, um, I don't remember what I called them, Justin and Brittany. They are um, John and Barbara's kids. The the guys in these relationships were jumping from job to job to job. And that's what I was seeing. They're always they're always telling us if there's a better opportunity, get it. 
anything that would make us more money to give to the business. That's what it always came down to. And they would say, oh, well, it's good because you're, you're, you're always advancing. But I wasn't advancing. I was moving adjacent. I was going to the side. I was never moving myself forward, only sideways to make more money for them. And realistically, all that did was put me backwards. So it's like I was running in place. I wasn't moving forward. And I guess with that extra money, I wasn't technically going backwards. I was just standing still in the fucking mud for three years. And by the time I decided to leave the business, it really was scary, you know, because what was I going to do? I had told everybody I was going to do this business. You know, everybody was right. Everyone was like, you know, I told you so, especially my dad. <laughs> but, you know, he he never once like, yeah, sure. He was like, you know, I told you so. But he never once didn't help me afterwards. You know, it was very it was very hard at first. You know, I had to learn how to spend my money again. I had to learn how to save money. I had a really bad credit score. I was never coached on how to have a credit score. We were always told don't have credit cards. I should have had a small credit card back then to slowly start building up my credit. I had, I got to buy a car cash like they told me I should. But the only reason I did is because I had a bad credit score. And it was during COVID where I got laid off from my job. I had no preparation for any sort of emergency that would have come up. And that's really scary to look back at. And I never really had a great upbringing with money anyways. My mom has never been good with her money. And that's the example that I took after. You have the process of being in the cult. And then you leave the cult, okay? And the, even just the leaving part, there's so many different steps that come afterwards because you're talking about days and weeks after you leave. It's weird. You kind of go from being very busy to nothing. It's like hearing a lot of noise and then sitting in silence. You kind of have to learn how to think for yourself. A lot of people felt relief. I know I did. But at the same time, there was also like, well, what the fuck do I do now? You know, I got to go to the grocery store and I got to buy my own products. Some people had panic attacks doing that, you guys. Some people went to, you know, makeup store and were like, what the fuck? I've only been using artistry, which is Amway's makeup product. Or they went to maybe the store and they were going to buy a protein shake. And they're like, I've only ever had body key or whatever the Amway brand is, you know, or buying energy drinks. They've only had excess for years. And so these things that may seem simple and may seem exciting to some are very scary to others. And that was kind of where I was at. You know, it was exciting, but it was scary. I no longer had this huge community of people in my corner, but they were never really in my corner. But that's part of the process. I didn't realize that. You know, part of me kind of thought, well, maybe I should go back. You know, I miss my friends. I miss the community of it. I miss the the camaraderie. You know, I'm an extrovert naturally. I love talking to people. If y'all don't know, me and Kelly met at a grocery store because we were both wearing the same Eric Church shirt on 4th of July. And I'm always just a very talkative person. So going from these events where I got to talk to everybody and then not doing anything and sitting at home was kind of weird. You know, but it was a, it was kind of a good thing because I had a newborn, you know, I had a little baby and I kind of went through this time where I had three jobs, three jobs just to be able to survive. All of them were work from home plus apps on the side and it got down to two jobs and then COVID hit and I had none. You guys, I had not, not worked from the time I was 17 until now, you know, until COVID, you know, that's a long time. And it was sad. I definitely, I saw it coming and I know it wasn't my fault, but I definitely cried. 
And I think around that time is when I really started to look into things with the business because I remember getting laid off from my job and having that extra time and really thinking about what the fuck did did Worldwide do to me? And I started looking up Zay and Melody's videos. You guys, they are the pioneers. I will always credit them. I, if you have not checked out the YouTube channel yet, Zay, Z-E, Melody, M-E-L-O-D-Y, and seven, I think a seven is spelled out, S-E-V-E-N. So Zay, Melody, and seven, their videos are incredible. I really started to understand what was going on. And Martha Reyes too. I don't think her channel is active anymore either. And you guys, I don't think these people are inactive because of any sort of legal reasons. I know I get that question a lot, but I think it's personal reasons. I've never heard of any legal proceedings happening with them, but they're the pioneers. Their videos will always be relevant. So if you haven't checked them out, definitely go check them out. But that was kind of the next phase. You know, I was kind of in this whirlwind of emotions of, well, what do I do now to kind of I need to understand what the hell happened to me. So I'm going through their videos and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, this is wild. And so I'm joining this Facebook group as well that they had back then that they were actively posting in. And I'm seeing people left and right just say, I'm so glad I left this business, kind of coming to the understanding that, oh shit, no, I was definitely in something bad, bad. So it was just continued research. But you know, I kind of twiddled my thumbs for a couple of years because I knew I wanted to talk about it. I just never knew how. Thankfully, during that time, I reconnected with Jessica and we were able to kind of digest together. We were able to understand what happened. You know, she had just gotten out of it, but she was also leaving a domestic violence relationship. So there was kind of a lot going on all in that time, but I'm really grateful for her because we we really have been able to connect on this and be there for each other. And I'm so grateful that we're still friends to this day. And during this time as well, you know, I'm living with my mom. I'm I'm in this moments of chaos. But there is a blessing in disguise because at the very end of 2019 is when I met Jacob. Jacob is my partner and we will have been together for four years on New Year's Eve. And that that was kind of a small blessing. Right. So I'm I'm really in this time where, you know, I'm I'm still learning how to be me outside of the business, but now I'm entering into a relationship and that was a whole new whirlwind, you guys. Oh my gosh, because <laughs> Jacob is awesome. If y'all know Jacob, and if you don't know Jacob, Jacob plays video games. Like that's one of his hobbies, but he does not let them take over his life. I mean, this guy works sometimes 16 hour days. He always has. He's worked very, very hard. But that was still something that I had to overcome and be like, oh, well, you're playing video games. And he's like, what's the what's the problem? And I was like, well, it's video games. He's like, so you watched three hours of The Office and I can't play two hours of video games? I was like, oh, shit. So it was a lot of relearning and to stop judging people. So, you know, I, I really just had to take the time to heal. It's a mourning process, you know, because when you leave your upline, it's like a breakup. You're leaving your whole group of friends that you truly felt connected to and you loved these people. And then you're starting to decompress. And then eventually you start to realize like, shit, I don't think these people even really liked me. And I started to revisit all of these different things that had happened. I was like, well, shit, if they really liked me, I don't think X, Y, and Z would have would have happened. Through COVID, you know, I was just trying to survive because I tried to get another job and because that company had hired people and were really not prepared for it, I lost my job again. And again, that was 
that really threw me, you guys, because I'd never lost a job before. I'd never been fired. I'd never been like, hey, you're done here because I've never done anything to, to to deserve that. You know, I work really hard when I work at a job. I may not like it, but I'll do it. While I was in the business, it sucks because I, I really feel like I wore myself out to the point where I didn't want to work hard anymore. I was grinding so hard, losing so much sleep, just draining myself physically and mentally that I got to the point where I was like, I can't do, I have no capacity for anything. I think that's when I got to be too much. And that's when I think I really just didn't want to do it anymore. I couldn't do the late nights anymore of Postmates because I had a newborn and I didn't trust my mom at this point to watch him. Plus I'm, I'm, you know, uh, recovering from a C-section and I had to go to a function three or four days after my son was born. You guys, I went to a function. I lost my milk supply. I couldn't breastfeed anymore. I was devastated. I cried because I couldn't breastfeed my oldest because he was allergic and the pediatrician, you know, there was no real lactation consultant. Like they're like, you need to stop breastfeeding. And I was like, okay, you know, I, that was okay. But my, my other baby, you know, my youngest, I, I wanted that opportunity and I lost it. And that's my fault. You know, I could have gone, they had a pumping room there, but you're talking about getting up every couple of hours and you've been at this function all day and it was exhausting and I was sore and I was walking up and down stairs and I just honestly didn't do it, you know, so I lost my milk supply and, you know, I, I got to for a while. He got the most important portions of it, I guess, days later and, and I kind of was still able to a little bit afterwards, but at the end of the day, I know that I'm okay and, and I forgive myself for that, but you know, that's just one thing that they kind of took from me, you know, they took so much, so many things that they took that I will never forgive them for. And a lot of that is the trust that they I built up with them that they really, really killed from me. You know, I mean, being with Kyle was bad enough because you don't trust guys. You know, you think that every guy you're with is going to be abusive after that. At least that was my personal experience. So only speaking for myself here, but I was scared. You know, I was on the defense all the time because I everything scared me. And so it was a lot of learning how to be an actual fucking adult. And so I really feel like growing up for me had to take place in a matter of a couple of years in my adulthood. So I kind of had to fast forward through everything. And my dad was there for me every step of the way. You know, by the time we kind of moved down here to Arizona, I trusted people that I should have never trusted. And a lot of that comes from being a people pleaser. You you start to ignore these red flags and you look at things and you're like, that's not right, but you don't question it because you think that this person is going to be there for you and has your best interest. But then it gets to the, to the point where you're like, I'm not gonna deal with that anymore. And you know, here we are now, I've gone to therapy a lot. I've gone to several years of therapy at this point and I had to kind of prepare myself for what is it going to be like my whole 29th year of life? And what is that moment going to be like when I finally do turn 30? I put a lot of emphasis on this age because for a lot of people, maybe their 20s got to learn how to be adults. But for me, it was like, I'm actually a fucking adult now. You know, I'm the adult year adult. I'm the, uh, I'm 30. <laughs> so it was, it was kind of scary. I wanted to own a house and I thought, man, by 30, if I don't own a house, but, but then what, you know, I'm not going to die because I don't own a house by 30. Realistically, you know, logically speaking, I, I'm fine. I'm working still towards that goal and that's okay. 
I didn't hit the weight goal that I wanted to reach by by 30, but I am much in a much better space now than I am I was before. I've absolutely lost the weight that I've wanted to lose in that amount of time and I'm still going. There there's so many things that I put a lot of emphasis on to do before I turn 30 and I put a lot of pressure on myself that I think really stems from being in an organization like Worldwide because they tell you two to five years, right? Two to five years, you're going to be successful. And now I'm seeing all these people who've been in the business for two to five years. They haven't even broken an English ship. They're still there spending their money, still twiddling their thumbs, going to these business meetings for what? The association for, quote, working on themselves. All that working on yourself is doing is putting money in the Platinums and Above's pockets. Those books that you're buying, that's going to John Maxwell. That's going to pay all of the speakers, allegedly. That's what's going on here. During that time, they give you such big goals that you need to accomplish in such a short period of time. And that is something that I'm still working on to this day. So when you talk about being in a cult, it's not just being in the cult. There's a lot of recovery afterwards. I mean, I was in for three years. It's taken me four years additionally after that to recover, to get back to my financial standing, to get back emotionally where I should be, to just be able to thrive again. It's the same for domestic violence. You know, I don't know that I'll ever be over it. I don't know that I I will never have another panic attack because, you know, I have them still. I don't know that I will ever truly feel safe, but I'm working on it. So I've just kind of been thinking a lot about how these things caused me to have such a severe emotional response to turning 30, something that's so natural, you guys, it's 30. It's exciting. I'm a whole, I'm a whole new decade into my life. I hear 30s is great. I really am in a good spot. But these types of organizations, these types of toxic relationships, these toxic parents, you guys, they exist. It's okay that we talk about them. And I think the biggest thing is just to understand that people need time to heal. Everybody's healing journey looks different. And I think it's important to spread awareness about domestic violence. I think it's important to spread awareness about parents who are abusive, especially moms. You guys, we put moms on a fucking pedestal. And I never want to be like my mother. That is my biggest dream in life. I want to be like my dad. I want to be like my stepmom, but I don't want to be like my mom. And I I don't ever want to be a partner like Kyle was. And I never, never want to try to manipulate someone the same way that that fucking cult did. And all I can do is do better. But spreading awareness about these things will hopefully help somebody else who is either still in the business, maybe being approached by the business. Maybe they're seeing some red flags in a partner, or maybe they just have a hard time speaking about the fact that they had an abusive parent. You know, these are all very, very tough topics. Trauma, SA, all of these different things are so hard to talk about, but I'm grateful that I have this platform now that I can just kind of openly talk. I'm just grateful for everybody who's listening. I'm grateful for everybody who has continued to come and support me and support my guests and be a guest and just willing to tell me your stories because that's what I want to do. I say this all the time, but I joined Worldwide because I wanted to help people. And that avenue was not going to help people. It doesn't help people. But this avenue right here, I feel like this is the best that I can do. And I feel like it's a great way, you know, because people need to tell their stories, their voices deserve to be heard. That's how I had a midlife crisis, <laughs> turning 30. I'm all good, you guys. I just wanted to be transparent and just kind of talk about this is why I have these these conversations. This is why I, I want to spread awareness on this topic, because if you're also going through something similar, you're not alone at all. I just want to say that 
If you are thinking about leaving your situation and it's abusive, please, please call the domestic violence hotline. They are going to be a fantastic resource. I will definitely be linking that information with this episode, as well as go to somebody you trust. If that needs to be somebody who is a counselor, your therapist, somebody safe. You know, if you're trying to leave a cult, find out a way through somebody safe. If you're trying to leave worldwide, it's okay to leave. It's okay to look back and not think that you wasted your life because, I mean, at the end of the day, we learned a lesson, right? We can identify these red flags going forward. We can, you know, never join that again. We can rebuild our lives afterwards, but we can also spread awareness and help others who have also left. So I think I've talked your guys' ear off enough. <laughs> but again, I just, I just can't thank everybody enough for, for allowing me to do this. Thank you. This is, if there's anything that I, I'm glad that I accomplished before 30 was creating this podcast and developing an audience and really creating friendships. You guys, we have a great community here. All of the people that I have had on guest after guest after guest, just so supportive of each other. And they've never met. A lot of these people have never even heard of each other. Some of them are sharing it to their cross line. Some of them are sharing it to their family or friends or whoever, right? You guys, we have an incredible community here. And this is a community 10 times what Worldwide could have ever offered or BWW or any of these other MLMs out there. And I think that's pretty, pretty awesome. So, all right, guys, I appreciate you guys. If you are new here, hi, follow me on Instagram. If you're not already at xsnt.podcast, you guys go follow the TikTok at the same handle. You guys can catch my podcast anywhere where podcasts are heard. And we'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thank you.